What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Lost Lifting Talk. Today, we're going to get into another Q&A episode. I have a lot of questions to go through that we're going to answer to help a lot of you guys out that are asking questions. I've got a few questions that are coming in from TikTok. Yes, I'm on the TikTok app now. I'm a little bit obsessed with it. Um, a few from Instagram, a few from DMs and different things like that. But before we hop into that, I've got just a little thing on my mind that I'm going through at the moment that I just want to quickly touch on. And that is the power of getting yourself uncomfortable and potentially investing into yourself in any sort of way. It can be investing time. It can be investing money. It can be um, anything like that. At the moment, I just made an extremely uncomfortable investment into myself financially for the future into mentorship from people who are farther along than me to help me get to where they are. And I think a lot of us don't realize that there is a cheat code to life. And most of us miss out on it because we're in this scarcity mindset and we don't think that we're capable. But really, if you can take people that are Somewhere that you want to be and just simply ask for help. And in in different situations, it'll be different for everybody. Sometimes that means in the form of paying somebody money to help you. Sometimes that's just creating a relationship or a friendship to have that person be able to help you, whatever it may be. It's literally a cheat code to help you get to where you're trying to go, to be able to have access to people who have the knowledge that you need to create success or to create happiness or to create fulfillment in your life. It's really something that a lot of us look past. And I'm biased, obviously, right? Because I'm a coach. And, but there's one thing from that. I, I'm a coach and I see the power in coaching for what I can do for others. So it doesn't make any sense for me to not be doing the same thing into somebody else. And so that's what I just did. I just hired myself a mentor, if you will, and spent a, a chunk of money that was uncomfortable it it took a little hit to the heart a little bit but sometimes things like that are necessary for you to be able to move forward and a big thing is when was the last time you made yourself uncomfortable or put yourself up against the wall when was the last time you put your back up against the wall usually most people and especially for me when my back is up against the wall I perform so much better it holds me accountable it makes me push forward whenever that is. And you can do that exact same thing with your fitness and your nutrition, right? You can invest into a program. You can invest into a coach. You can tell your family that you're going to do this. You can create an accountability partner, something to put your back up against the wall to make you follow through with the things that that you want to succeed at, the things that you want to accomplish. And if you don't do that, if you have no investment in any sort of way, even if you know how to do whatever that thing is that you want, chances are it's going to be a lot harder to stick to because, again, you ha- you don't have that accountability there. I made a post about this the other day about coaching. What makes a good coach versus a decent coach? If you guys listen to the podcast with Jeremiah, you heard me speak on this a little bit talking about and me and Jeremiah both spoke on on the the Q&As that we're doing together each month but um I think it was me who who brought up the sense of being a good coach isn't necessarily like just telling somebody how many calories to eat what macros to eat what workouts to perform it comes down to the perf- the 
connection and the accountability side to it. It's making that relationship to help the person with their mindset to do the things that they already know that they need to do. That's the thing. It's not understanding what to do. We live in a day and age where everything is online. You can Information is abundant. You can find out anything that you want to. You can find out how to get in shape. You can find out what you should be eating. You can find out what workouts you should be doing. You can find out how to grow your online business. You can find out whatever it is that you want to. But it's a completely different thing to, to hold yourself accountable to it by putting either your money where your mouth is or your actions where your mouth is. And a lot of the time to hold ourselves accountable to that, it's making an investment into it. And I've never, I've invested into myself a lot in the past as well. This isn't the first time. This is just the the biggest one, the most, the scariest one, if you will, that I've ever done. But every time that I've done it, I've never regretted it. Even if I had a bit of a bad experience with it or it wasn't exactly what I expected, I always got far more out of it than I ever thought that I would. And when it came to the money side of it, I always ended up with more afterwards than I had before. Somehow that the law of attraction and the the law of investing into yourself, it's always paid back tenfold. So if you're looking to, and this, I'm not saying this for you to, to buy my coaching program by any means. I'm just saying if you're out there and you're trying to do something and you're frustrated and you've thought about investing into yourself and it makes you extremely uncomfortable, but you know, it's probably the step that you need to be able to create accountability and just have the path. So there's no guesswork left in what you're doing and get the support that you need. You should do it. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to at least learn and you're going to, even if you fail, you're going to learn so much along that process to know what you need to do to improve and to get better. Nothing's guaranteed, right? You can invest a bunch of money or else you can invest your time or your, you could invest your emotions, whatever it may be. And it could not work out, right? But, it, but how are you going to look at that? Are you going to look at that, that as a failure or are you going to look at it as a learning lesson? So just a little something that's on my mind as we get going. Whenever we hop into these Q&As, I like to start with kind of a message of something that's, that's on my mind and going on in my life so that I can just kind of get it out and you guys know where I'm, I'm at. And a lot of you I know relate to, to this kind of stuff. And I'm sure you right now, one of you out there listening, it's something that you need to hear because you're thinking of investing into something or doing something that makes you uncomfortable. And chances are, if it makes you uncomfortable or if it gives you anxiety, well, that's a really good a really good sign that it's something that you need to do to propel yourself forward. The reason that you're anxious is because you know it's the right thing to do. It just makes you slightly uncomfortable. And I'm in that same exact position today, but at the same time, it brings a lot of excitement too. So I'm going to stop rambling. We're going to hop into all of your questions starting now. All right, question number one. I saw that you just started your own dieting phase. I'd love to know where you started with your nutrition and your calories, as well as what you're doing for workouts as you get started. Thanks. Great question. I did just get started with a cutting phase, a fat loss phase, if you will, for the next 12 weeks. Um, let's see, how long am I into it? I'm a week and a half into it at the moment. So for myself, and this isn't where you should start with any of your stuff. This is just where I started um, for me with my body stats and I know that how my body works and I know what it's going to take in my situation to start to create the right calorie deficit how much around how much protein I need and the best split for me to follow so what I'm going to tell you about what I'm doing doesn't necessarily mean it's exactly what you should be doing 
um, two, you shouldn't be eating the same amount of calories as me. You don't need the exact same amount of protein as me. You don't probably need the same workout split as I do. But um, for myself, when I'm not in a calorie deficit phase and I'm more maintaining or in a slight surplus, I'm usually sitting somewhere between 3,000 to 3,500 calories per day. And that will fluctuate a little bit depending on how loosey-goosey I'm being, how how perfect I'm being in my tracking. Usually when I'm maintaining or in a slight surplus, I'm not being much of a perfection freak by any means. I'm just being a little bit looser. So somewhere between 3,000 to 3,500 calories is where I'm usually at and trying to hit somewhere between at least 160 grams of protein, more ideally somewhere around 180 grams of protein. And I weigh at the moment or when I stopped the maintenance slash surplus phase, I was right around 190 pounds and I'll never let myself really get above 190. That's kind of my max. So I was eating somewhere between 3,000 and 3,500 calories. The average of that is probably around like 3,250 if you averaged it out. So from there to start the deficit, I started the deficit at 2,500 calories with 180 grams of protein every single day. And what's happened so far is I was at 190 in the first week and a half. I think I weighed in this morning at 186. So that's four pounds in like 10 or 11 days, which isn't sustainable in the long run. I'm not going to keep losing that much weight. When you first start a diet, when you first go into a deficit, what happens is you'll lose all a lot of water weight. You won't have as much sodium in your body, which will flush out some water. You won't have as much glycogen in your body as you're taking in less carbohydrates. And um, you'll lose weight a little bit faster due to water and whatnot, just from not having so much food in your body. So I didn't lose four pounds of fat in that time frame, but I did lose four pounds, maybe a pound of it so far is hopefully been fat at this point. And then I'll just stay here for a minute. So what I'm doing as far as training goes is I'm training five days per week. I'm doing an upper, lower push, pull leg split. So I train Monday, Tuesday, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So my off days are regularly Wednesday and Sunday at the moment. And then every single day I'm trying to hit 8,000 steps. I'm not really doing any cardio. I'm just doing a lot of walking because I find that that's better for me. I don't like having to like do hit cardio or anything like that too much. If I'm not in the mood for it, it's something that I dread and I have a harder time staying consistent with it. So I just try to hit a step goal every single day, which is generally somewhere right around 8,000 steps. So for me to do that, I sit around most of the day, right? So what I'm doing is I'm having to go for walks around my neighborhood. My neighbors probably think I'm crazy because I'm out with headphones in going for walks one or two times per day just to make sure that I'm hitting my steps. And it's something you have to be conscious of, but I'd rather be doing that and getting outside. The weather's starting to get better. So I like to go outside if I have phone calls with clients or whatnot. I'll take those phone calls as I walk around outside or else I'll just go for a walk and turn on a podcast or whatnot and just try to hit that 8,000 steps. I'm just tracking that on my Apple watch, the steps. I don't really pay attention to the calories burned. I just pay attention to the steps that I'm taking and make sure it's relatively the same so that my activity level is the same throughout. And then um, if I want, if I hit a plateau at some point, I can either drop my calories down a little bit or else I could go from 8,000 steps per day up to 10,000 steps per day or else I could add in a hit cardio session or something like that. But that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm 24 to 2,500 calories, 180 grams of protein, carbs and fats. I think carbs are somewhere between like 60 to 65 um, grams. And then I know that, or fats, excuse me. Yeah. Fats are 60 to 65 grams per day. And then carbs are like I think somewhere between 220 to 250, maybe a little bit higher than that. I can't exactly remember. But honestly, I don't pay a ton of attention to that. I try to keep them in their relative ranges. But as long as I'm at that calorie goal, hitting my protein goal, and as long as I've got a decent enough of fat in me, 
to support hormone function, brain function, all that good stuff, then I just try to fill the rest with carbs. So really, it doesn't have to be taken that serious. I've talked about this a lot on here. You don't have to be counting your protein, carbs, and fats if you don't want to. Now, as I get leaner, I'll get a little bit more tedious with what I'm doing and whatnot. But for the general population out there, you don't really need to be counting everything. If you're counting your calories, you're in a sufficient calorie deficit, you're counting your protein intake, you don't really have to be super spot on with your carbs and fats. You can still make just as good a progress. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. But again, it's always adjusting, right? There's always going to be adjusting to what you're doing. There's not a perfect calorie number and a perfect amount, perfect amount of workouts for anybody out there. You, there's always a starting point. You see how your body responds and then you make adjustments along the way to make sure that you're continuing to improve. If my body stalls out at some point, that's the nice part about tracking, right? Is because if I stall, well, I know exactly what I'm doing. I can just make adjustments to what I'm doing to push progress again. What most people do if you're trying to lose fat, you're doing a fad diet or something like that, where you're not tracking anything when you stall and let's say you're keto and just not eating carbs. Well, if you plateau, then what? Do you eat less carbs? You can't eat less carbs because you're already not eating carbs. So how do you progress? How do you get through that plateau? You don't have any data to base it off of. So I've always been really big on taking weigh-ins, measuring or, or tracking my food, um, tracking steps burned, and then I can make adjustments to all those things throughout the process as I do hit plateaus and stuff. Your body is just one big database. It, it's telling you what's happening. It's telling you what how it's responding to what. So then if you're tracking all that, you can just make the necessary adjustments along the way to make sure that you're getting exactly to where you want to get. It's taking the guesswork completely out of it. And that's, uh, that's how I like to do it. That's how I like to coach others through the process as well, just because it guarantees a result instead of hoping for a result. So hopefully that helps. All right. Question number two. Hey, Chaz, if I understand this correctly, a lady can take creatine and protein powder, still do weightlifting to build muscle and not worry about getting too bulky. Great question. And you are exactly right. When we talk about getting big and bulky, you probably, most women who think that look at really serious competitive CrossFit athlete females or else they're looking at professional bodybuilder females who are really bulky, not, not even bulky, they're just really overdeveloped in terms of musculature. And you've got to understand when it comes to CrossFit females first who are who are extremely muscly, some of those girls are probably bigger than I am, honestly. There's a couple things to take into account there. Number one is they have probably the best genetics for females in the entire world if they're doing it naturally. Now, I'm not saying that they're all unnatural and taking credit away from them and saying that they're on steroids, but to do what they do and to work out, they live to work out. They literally are working out as their job for six to eight hours per day they are training. So to recover from that, with the type of training that they're doing, they're either training really, really smart with the top protocols in the entire world from the most elite programmers in the entire world, and their genetics are perfect for what they're doing, and it and they're able to build the bodies that they do, or they're unnatural and they're taking some sort of a steroid. And as far as bodybuilding women that you see that are extremely muscly, they are definitely not natural. If you see a woman who looks bigger than a guy, chances are, as far as musculature goes, chances are that's not a natural woman. Men are naturally, men naturally have more testosterone than women. Testosterone is what builds muscle. So 
women can't necessarily get bigger than men unless they do it unnaturally and add hormones into their body or unnatural supplements to help them get that way. So if you are not a professional CrossFit athlete training six to eight hours per day, potentially on something that's unnatural, potentially not, I don't want to get into that argument. Or if you are, and if you're not a professional bodybuilder who's using unnatural substances, again, where weightlifting is your job, you're working with the top people in the entire world, and you're most likely unnatural doing so, you are not going to get big and bulky as a female. What you're going to do by getting enough protein every single day, potentially taking creatine, which creatine um, just helps you be stronger in the long run. There's a lot of studies out there showing that creatine is one of the most proven supplements that there are and all that it really does is help you be stronger, which is going to help you potentially put on a little bit more muscle in the long run, which is honestly, it's great for females and it's great for males. If a female will take it, I'll always recommend it to a female as well. If she's into strength training and she wants to get stronger, she wants to create that toned or defined look because it's only going to help if you can use more weight in your training, you're going to be able to get better results. Now, those results don't mean you're going to get big, huge and jacked and look like a man. But if you're controlling your calorie intake, you're getting enough protein in, you're training really hard. If you're newer to all of this, you're going to be able to lose some fat. You're going to be able to build some muscle and you're going to create definition. We all see those ladies who go to the gym all the time. They're doing a lot of body weight exercises or they're just doing like group cardio classes or hit classes. They're never really strength training. The majority of the time, those ladies are hoping to get toned or defined like they want to, but they really aren't doing what's required to get that toned look. And I've talked a lot about this. All that toned means is having some muscle on your body and having minimal amount of fat on your body to let that muscle show through. And as a female, you're not going to be able to create big, huge, ginormous muscles like a male. Most males can't even create big, huge, ginormous muscles. I've been training for 10 years at this point, and I still don't have big, huge, ginormous muscles. And it's not because I don't know what I'm doing. It's just simply because it's hard to achieve. And people try to make it act like it's so much easier than it actually is. Like I can go into the gym and start just lifting and all of a sudden I'm going to have these big, huge muscles. I got to stay away from that because I can't get big and bulky. That's just a huge myth that's been around the industry for far too long of a time. I could go on a huge rant on this because it's, it's honestly, it's something that needs to be addressed more so because you still see these toned workouts and these trainers that will tell you how to get these toned workouts. But all that toned is, is simply building muscle through weight training and um, losing fat, getting to a lower body fat level. So if you're in a calorie deficit, if you're eating enough protein and you're strength training, you're going to be able to build some muscle, lose some fat, especially if you're a beginner to what you're doing or you're in a position where you can recomp your body, you're going to end up with that toned or defined and even more feminine look that you're looking for. It doesn't mean you need to go into the gym and do a bunch of bicep curls or work your arms all the time. Go in and work your lower body, work your back, work your shoulders, work a little bit of your arms and whatnot. But if you're on a, a smart training program, you're definitely not going to get big and bulky. And even if you were going in and training those body parts as hard as you possibly could, Chances are, due to your hormone profile, you still can't get big and bulky. Like I said, the women that you see that are that way, they're either the genetic elites, the genetic freaks of the world, or they are unnatural, meaning they're taking substances that are helping them to actually look and perform that way, which 
for the mass majority of us, for you and me, if you're listening to this podcast, that is definitely not you. So hopefully this helps. Yes, you can definitely take protein powder to help get in your protein each day. You can definitely be on creatine. I would always advise that. And you should definitely be strength training. If your goal as a female is to look more feminine, to look in better shape, to be stronger, to be confident in your body, it's something that you should absolutely be doing. All right. Question number three. How do you get into a calorie deficit? I just kind of answered this talking about my um, own personal situation that I'm in where I just started my own fat loss phase as well and went into a calorie deficit. All that it is is really taking a set of numbers that you think will put you into a a rough calorie deficit, get you losing around a pound or so a week, which is typically going to be somewhere between like 300 to 500 calories below your maintenance, and you just start eating that amount. Once you start doing that, you'll want to start weighing yourself every single day and then taking the averages of week one against week two and week two against week three and look at your averages. And if your weight's going down by somewhere between half a percent to one percent of your total body weight per week, you'll know that you're in a sufficient calorie deficit. If you want to find the numbers to get you set up so that you know um, so that you have a rough guideline of where to start with your calories. I've mentioned this a million times on this podcast, but you can always download the macro starter kit. It's always linked down below. It's a free resource that I give out that shows you how to find your maintenance level of calories, how to find your rough starting numbers for your deficit. It shows you how much protein you should be eating. It also gives you a bunch of recipe ideas. I think it gives you over like 15 recipes that are all lower calorie, higher protein to give you ideas of what you should be eating each day to be able to reach your goals. So really it just comes down to finding those rough starting numbers, getting extremely consistent with those numbers, taking data each week from your weigh-ins and then averaging out those weigh-ins over the weeks and comparing them to one another. And if you're losing 0.5 to 1% of your body weight per week, you've got yourself into a calorie deficit and you can just stay consistent with that. And then as if you hit plateaus, as the metabolism adapts, because it does, and I've talked about this on the podcast a lot as well, the metabolism will adapt. You will eventually run into a plateau at some point. And that's when you can either take a look at your activity level so that you can either Try to burn more calories through the day. Like for me, how I mentioned, you can up your steps or else you can add in some cardio or you could drop calories slightly to continue making progress along the way. So that's really the bread and butter of how it works. There's more to it than that. You'll want to add in refeeds to make sure your metabolism is adapting too much and different things like that. And before you start the calorie deficit, you want to make sure your body's in a position too. If you're already eating extremely low calorie and not losing weight, chances are you've got some issues potentially with your metabolism that need to be worked out first. So make sure before you start a calorie deficit, you've been in a consistent maintenance or a consistent surplus phase for at least three to six months, honestly, just to make sure that as you go into the deficit, your metabolism is in a good spot so that it will respond like you want it to so that you can start losing the weight from the hard work that you're putting in. But if your metabolism is already ran down and you're already extremely hungry, extremely food focused, Um, tired, stressed out, and you try to put yourself into a calorie deficit and drop calories even more, it's not going to be a result that you can sustain. You've first got to make sure before you start, your metabolism is in a great place, your hormones are in a great place, and if you have those two boxes 
checked, you're good to go. And if you're stressed, stress is super important too. If you're a highly stressed individual, if you are going through major issues in your life or if COVID's got you extremely stressed out or different things like that, probably not the best time in the world to start a calorie deficit because the calorie deficit in itself is going to be a stress. You're going to have to plan out your food a little bit better. You might have to even weigh your food. You're going to, you can't just go out to eat. You can't emotionally eat. You can't do all these things. And so if you go into a deficit and you have all this other stuff going on, that's a stress. And then you turn to food. Well, then the calorie deficit isn't going to work and you're not just because you're not going to be able to be consistent. So make sure your life is in a place where you are ready with your hormones, with your stress, with your metabolism to start the deficit, just to put yourself in the best position possible to be able to succeed inside of that diet. I've actually been working with a client who with COVID going on and some personal issues that she's had, we started working together and all of this happened. And she was just in a place where she was so stressed out that keeping her inside of a calorie deficit, it just wasn't going to work. She had so much stress going on in her personal life with COVID, with everything going on. It just had her in such a frenzy that trying to have her diet through that just physically wasn't going to work. She wasn't in a place to add the stress of a deficit to her life as much as everything else that was going on. So um, we had to up calories and just let her kind of hang out at maintenance and deal with everything going everything else going on in her life first before she's actually ready to tackle the deficit and tackle the goals that she has with her body composition. So that's something that I would keep in mind as you go into a calorie deficit as well. Just make sure you're 100% ready to do so, so that you can avoid the yo-yo effect of it as well. All right. That was only three questions and I got a lot more here, but as you guys know, I like to keep these episodes between 20 to 30 minutes. If I keep going, I'm going to hit over that 30 minute mark and I don't want to do that. So I really do appreciate you guys for tuning in. If you have questions that you would like answered on an upcoming podcast, my email is always down below. You can always just click on it. It'll take you to my inbox. You can shoot me a question with whatever it is. I'd be more than happy to write you back a response, helping you as much as possible. And if it's a question that could help others on the podcast as well, I'll bring those questions onto the podcast and answer them here as well. If you found value out of this, I'd be super appreciative if you could take a screenshot of this episode, put it on your story, tag me in it, and then I'll repost it and I'll send you a thank you message for doing so. And then last but not least, as I've been talking about, I am doing giveaways. So if you leave a written review down below, you'll be entered each month into a giveaway to either receive a free training program or to receive some Lost and Lifting merch from me. I've already had a couple down there, which I really do appreciate. The reviews just help the podcast be able to reach more people. Apple rates the podcasts off of the reviews that it's getting. So if the podcast isn't getting any reviews and you're just listening, then it's not able to grow, which isn't the end of the world. I'm not in this to become podcast famous or anything, but it's just nice for it to to see progress in what's happening and more and more listeners. I've been super fortunate because it has been growing and I have been reaching more people, but that's just one way for it to be able to reach even more at a little bit of a faster rate. So I'd greatly appreciate that. I greatly appreciate you for just even tuning in. Even if you don't leave a review, no worries. It's not that big of a deal. So with that, I got nothing else for you. I appreciate you guys. Hopefully you have a great rest of your day and I'll talk with you soon.